the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Praise the Lord, everybody. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. I love it. People come up to me now and then. No, I'm not a star, but they come up to me and they tell me, hey, Ron, I caught you on the radio the other day and I count. You know, I'm sure there's more than I know, but so far, 24, 25 people have come up to me and told me, Ron, we heard you on the radio. So unless I say something to offend them, we're growing and it's still getting out there. So we're excited. It's God's word. It's his love for you manifested through the Bible on this show. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we spoke about the America, the church, and the Bible. And we got through the part about America. And I just wanted to make the case that America has collapsed. We are now a pagan society by our behavior. And it's something that we need to be aware of because it's just getting deeper and deeper. We've shown no no impetus, no signs of turning it around. We're just letting it drive us further into a demonic state. Don't worry about a communist state. It's a demonic state where we kill our children, where we persecute the Christian, where we promote godless behavior, homosexuality. So we spoke about that, the demise of America into that pagan society. And then we started talking about the church. And I gave you some good words about the church. Three points I want to quickly review. Jesus said, Matthew, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of revelation, that Jesus is the Messiah. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building the church. It's his church, and the assault by the devil against his church is not going to win out. The second thing Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Hey, if I'm tarrying long, if it takes me a while to get there, just know how you ought to behave yourself in the church of the house of God, which is the church of the living God. It's the pillar and the ground of truth. So not only is Jesus going to build a church, but it is the pillar and the ground of truth. And then the third thing, I love this because it makes a connection on who we are in Christ Jesus in the church. John fourteen seventeen. He gives us the spirit of truth, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him. Neither does it know him, but you know him for he lives inside you and shall be in you. And so we see there that the church, we spoke about that, the church, Jesus is building it. It's his church that the church is the pillar and the ground of truth and that that truth resides inside us. And it begged us to ask the question, well, and if that's the case, what in the world is the church doing? Because we don't see them acting like the church. We don't see them acting like the pillar and the ground of truth. And we looked at a couple of scriptures over in John where Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and we're going to make our abode with him. So Jesus is telling us that he's going to live inside us. The Holy Spirit's going to live inside us. God's going to live inside us. 
And they go, wow, we've got it all laid out for us. What is the problem? You know, he said, behold, I give you might. I give you power. I give you dominion over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Well, we've got all these promises about a great, glorious church. He goes, it's going to be a glorious church. He goes, it's going to be a church without spot or wrinkle. And so I wonder, well, where are we missing it? What is the problem? And that's what I'm going to pick up on today. I'm going to talk to you about the church and the problems that we're facing and what's going on and why they're going on. I'm going to talk about apostasy and I'm going to name some names. I'm going to let you see exactly what this apostasy looks like, how it got there. We'll take you back maybe 100 years or so just to open it up to you so you can understand where we're going. And maybe you personally come up with something that's going to go ahead and help you fight back against this apostasy. But forewarned is forearmed. Like Rick Renner says, we're not trying to scare you with the information that we give you. We are trying to prepare you. First John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this is not from God, but it's of the devil. Basically, the world and the church, we've changed places. You know, we're supposed to be restraining the devil, but he's turning around. He's restraining us. How can you say that, Ron? What are you talking about? Well, the fact that your church is closed. That's how he's restraining us one way. The fact that you are forced to comply to the ungodly mandates put out by the ungodly government that has rejected God. When we spoke last week, we talked about how did the world get in trouble? The world got in trouble. America got in trouble because, A, we've forgotten God. B, we have rejected God. C, we have despised his word. All of that led to perverse behavior in the American people, and that's what we are trying to combat. That's what we are trying to restrain. John fourteen twenty three. I told you, Jesus said, hey, if a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we are going to live inside him. We've got the life of God living inside us. But, you know, it's supposed to produce in us certain fruit that we're not witnessing now. You know, we're supposed to be sacrificing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be looking to live the high life. You know, we've got a pastor we're going to talk about very shortly. And it's a it's so deceiving. It's so harmful. It is so frustrating to see what he's done, you know. In Houston, I think we've got the largest church in the world, or at least America. Paul Young Cho in South Korea has the largest church. But we've got the largest church in America right here. And it is like pulling teeth to get that church to get involved in our political scene where we can go ahead and help people vote properly, where we can go ahead and let them see that there's a battle going on, that we have to come against the sin that is destroying us. Hebrews, removing yourself from the sin that so easily besets you. You know, sin comes upon us naturally in our fallen state. You know, we have the nature of sin. That Being born again, you still have the nature of sin. As long as you're in that earth suit, you're going to have that sin nature. And you have to be on guard to make sure that you are defending yourself against it. Ephesians 5, 8. You were sometimes darkness, but now you are light. You are the children of light. Walk as that children of light. And to me, I remember when I first got saved, it was amazing. We came down from Dallas. We were in a meeting. Uh, let's see, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we came back. And I remember walking into my, when we got back into Houston and I walked into my local grocery store, my feet didn't touch the ground. It was a totally new lifestyle. I was shocked. I was just a different person. I couldn't wait to find somebody to tell them I was probably dangerous. But that's how it was. There was no question about the conversion. I had been transformed by the power of the Word of God. That sin nature was blasted. My sin was under the blood. He came and lived inside me. My spirit, which was dead to the things of God, was now alive to the things of God. I was able to receive the things of God where I never was able to receive them before. That's what being born again does. That's what happens to us. That's why being a shepherd over God's people is so, it's just a privilege, a responsibility. It is so necessary. And yet, according to Isaiah 50, 
My people have been lost sheep. Why? Because their shepherds have caused them to go astray. You know, it's one thing where the shepherds are not, maybe not preaching the word of God, where they're just kind of neutral. You know, they're not feeding them like they ought to. But Isaiah says, no, 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 no. My shepherds have caused them to go astray. They're leading them in the wrong direction. You know, we've got to fight back on this. We've got to call our pastors to account. When I got born again in 1981, the people that were leading us, the evangelists, the pastors, the prophets, the teachers, the apostles, these people were like gods in a sense that you couldn't say anything against them. You couldn't call them out. You couldn't challenge them. If they said this, that was it. They'll say it, the Lord. And it was you who was wrong if you made a case to, hey, maybe this guy's not right. And we need to do that today. And I'm going to show you how this apostasy in America has taken root. I want to take you back to, where do I want to go? How far back? Let's go back to the 1920s. And I want to talk to you about, well, the first one that is common. His name was, where did he go? What's his name? He was right before Robert Shuler. He Oh, his name is Harry Fosdick. Harry Fosdick, and he was leading the attack on what we call fundamentalism. It's where we take the Bible at its word. We understand what it is, and we believe it. We're fundamental Christians. We honor the word of God. We live by the word of God. We read the word of God. We pray the word of God. We speak the word of God. And back in the 1920s, this became an assault by the left, by the liberal left. Harry Fosdick, he led the attack, but he had people that were following him, and you're going to know these names when I tell you. Norman Vincent Peale. He was a apostate teacher, but he was very popular. He wrote books, and his big deal was the gospel of self-esteem. And the gospel of self-esteem, it's a mixture of humanism. It's a mixture of Eastern religion, positive thinking. I remember my teachers telling me when I got born again in 1981, you know, this gospel of positive thinking, it sounds a lot like Christianity. And it does. And yet you don't follow those that are promoting positive thinking, thinking that's right. You follow the Bible. You follow Christianity. It's a mixture of Eastern religion, humanism, and scriptures taken out of context. God is everywhere, they say, and Christ is merely only one way, was their mantra. Statements like, it's not necessary to be born again, revealed that these guys had a wicked and deceived heart. And these guys were popular. I mean, they wrote bestsellers, and they took many out of fundamental Christianity into apostasy. And then following him, it was Robert Schuller. And Robert Schuller was on TV, just like any other preacher, and he had a tremendous following. He even wrote a book, and he called it Self-Esteem. That was his theology. Self-Esteem, the New Reformation. And you can see that's the danger, you know, because this stuff sounds good. And these people, like them, they're invited to your churches, and they preach. And we have to be so wise. We have to understand, because I know, you know, Joel Osteen. Everybody loves Joel Osteen. He's a good guy. I, I attended Lakewood for 35 years. And yet, if you are not aware of the danger of the New Age thinking, the apostate preaching that has crept into the church over there, you're going to think everything's fine. He believes that we should build our theology. Well, Robert Schuller, back to him. Robert Schuller believes we need to build our theology where man is the sender and not God. And I hate to say this. I love the Osteen family, but I see so much of this in Brother Joel's preaching. I have friends here. We created relationships uh, over decades there, and we love these people, and yet I have a concern for them. And like I said, I, I wasn't intending to even name Brother Joel. We love Brother Joel. We love their family. We love what they did for us personally. Daddy Osteen took us from darkness into light, and that's a debt we're never going to be able to pay. And yet we pray for them. We, we pray for that church. I pray for the people there. I made great lifetime relationships, 
And I got people walking around in there now thinking that the earth is flat. I got them thinking there that uh, all this stuff is acceptable. The fact that, yeah, your best life now, that's right. That's gospel. No, it's not gospel. It's right out of Robert Shuler's depraved mindset that man is the center of the universe and not God. That Christianity is all about man and not God. Now, Robert Shuler was bold enough to tell you about this. These other people, whether they don't know or what, I don't know. But they're just not telling you that. Yet their teachings reflect that mindset. He's teaching that man's problems aren't sin-based, but that man's problems are based on low self-esteem. We got to get out of that mindset. That's destroying us. That's leading to apostasy. Any church that is talking to you that the, the gospel is built on man and not Jesus Christ, that it's all about you, that God has your picture on his refrigerator, run. Run fast and run far because it's false. I would be failing to do my duty if I didn't mention this, that prominent preachers in our local town, they're building their ministry around teaching like this that is rooted and grounding in the foundation of American apostate preachers, Schuler and, what's his face, Fosdick and Peel. They've done so much damage to us in the church. That's why we're in an apostasy right now. It led us to quit reading the Bible. Jimmy Swaggart's son, Donnie Swaggart, he does very well. We love him. We appreciate him. He was talking the other day how careful you have to be about reading certain translations because they water down the word and they lead you astray. It basically, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, don't be changing the words of what I'm telling you. Don't be changing the book of this prophecy. Don't be messing with them line upon line, precept upon precept. Every jot and every tittle is so important. And yet, look at this. Let me give you an example. The, uh, what's it called? The Passion Translation. It's huge right now. It's popular. I know my pastor quotes from it lots of times. Understand this. You can read any translation you want. You can study out of any translation you want. But you need to teach out of the King James Bible. And I'll just give you one small example right here. First Peter 5.8. This is the King James. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's pretty straightforward. You can understand that. And yet the passion, let's see what the passion does to that. The passion says, be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Now, I don't know if you're going to pick up on the difference there. There's a huge difference. It's important. And I'll point it out to you. Give you a second to think about it. The King James, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The passion, be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. It's written differently. You would say, well, it sounds the same to me. It does, except for there's one small difference, which is huge. The King James talks about the fact that Satan is seeking whom he may devour. The passion says, like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. The difference is the King James says Satan must get permission to devour you. The passion leaves that out. As a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I don't know whether that's referencing God uh, is the one that gives permission for Satan to devour you, or it's you who decides whether Satan may devour you or not. But the passion leaves that out. It never implies that he might not be able to devour you. It just says he's looking for its prey to devour. It's almost possessive, looking for its prey. And whereas the King James says he must get permission. I think that's so important. I think that's huge. The King James gives me the power to decide whether I will let him devour me or not. Or at even a better 
other case, he's got to get permission from God. But when they leave that out of the Bible, that gives a false understanding. Number one, it robs you of the power to make a decision when you're dealing with spiritual darkness trying to take you down. Do you see these little subtle things? Do you see how important that is? You've got to know the King James translation. Study out of anything. But when you're teaching, you're teaching out of the King James Bible. Publications like, back to apostasy, publications like Christianity Today, they've been in the news recently. And this was the one that was founded by Billy Graham. And I think uh, Franklin Graham has just uh, renounced them right now, that they're no longer associated with the publication. They made a hard left turn in their theology, embracing hard left progressive ideas which support laxity towards sin and a God that really doesn't get bent out of shape over our sin. Yeah, they've come a long way. You know, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham, both of them, the great, great men. I believe Billy Graham ushered in. God used him to usher in the last great awakening in America. There's also a movement now within the female community that embraces and teaches that God has a feminine side. (laughs) This is amazing, all this stuff that's in our churches. And if we're not careful, we're going to sit under these ministries and we will be taken. It's a prophesied that the apostasy is going to be upon us. We're going to lose many. Actually, I was reading the other day in the Corinthians, it talks about we're going to lose most of them. You know, some translations said we're going to lose many. Well, let's say there's a million people. What's many when there's a million people? Oh, I don't know, 20, 30,000. That's many, wouldn't you think? Yeah, 50,000, 100,000. Sure. Well, when one quote, one translation says many and another says most, that's huge. Most of a million is more than 500,000 people. And you lose the context, you lose the depth, you lose the warning in the scripture when you start messing with other translations that soften some of these words, that don't really give you the hardness of the King James. I got a scripture in Hebrews I was reading, and this is so important. Here's another perfect example. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 8, so, so important. We're talking about the, uh, there are scriptures out there where, uh, it's so easy to transform them. We don't want to offend people today. I know there's scriptures out there, there's pastors out there, teachers. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to offend anybody. Life beats you up. We're not going to beat you up with the word of God. What? You're going to beat them up? You're not going to beat them up with the gospel? If you think the gospel beats people up, then you don't know the gospel and you don't know the God of the gospel. The gospel does not beat you up. The gospel is good news. All of it, though, the part that recognizes man is a sinner and he needs a savior. What is so wrong with telling people that? Hebrews twelve five through 8. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. Paul, is the writer of Hebrews, is letting us know that the exhortation is speaking to us as children of God. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked by him. Okay, so we see that we're going to be chastened by God. And don't faint when he rebukes us. That's part of being a child of God. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Now that word scourges, we trying to leave that out. Most of the other translations don't use that word. The King James is the only one. But scourges, it means to punish, to severely discipline, to whip. The thought there is that there is a heavy-handed rebuking that goes on when we step out of line in order to bring us back into relationship with God. The Bible says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father doesn't chasten? But if you, without chastisement, whereof all of us are to be partakers of, then you're bastards and not sons. 
furthermore, you know, and basically we've got congregations that are biblical bastards. They're not children of God, and we're not challenging to be children of God. We don't chastise them. We don't let the homosexual know that his sin is not going to keep him from hell, but his sin is a sign that he is out of relationship with God, and it needs to be corrected. That's what rebuke and chastisement by the Lord does. How does he do that? He does it through his word of God. He gets preachers and brothers and sisters. I believe I am my brother's keeper. I believe you are my keeper. I expect you to challenge me. Call me out if you see me doing things I shouldn't be doing. I don't want to go to hell because you're too scared to talk to me. No, that's not how God set it up. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us, and did not we give them reverence? Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Absolutely. For they, fathers, they, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But God chastens us for his profit that we might be ready partakers of his holiness. If God is not chastening you, you're running the risk of missing out on being a holy child of God. Emergent church leaders like Brian McLaren and Rob Bell have become immensely popular, and they've taken away tens of thousands of brothers and sisters from the faith. Others like Rick Warren and Tony Campolo refer to Bible prophecy and teaching on the second coming as an unnecessary distraction. Can you believe that? Jesus' return is right around the corner. The tribulation is right after that. We're in the end times. You'd have to be blind, deaf, and dumb as a Christian not to understand what the Bible talks about that. We are here now. It is here. Just look at what is happening in America. Whoever thought this would happen to America? America is being prepared for its role in end-time prophecy. What's that role? I don't know. The Bible doesn't talk about it. But I do know that in order for everything to happen as it was, America must be weakened. And you understand something. Once the rapture of the church takes place, America is going to be just like other nations. We're not going to have the church in here influencing us towards righteousness. We're going to be wicked. We're going to be evil. We're going to be depraved like we already are. The big difference is we're still going to have the biggest guns on the block. We're still going to have the mightiest army. We're still going to have the greatest natural resources. We're still going to have the food that's going to feed the world. The difference is, though, it's going to be unrighteous leadership that is distributing all this, that is controlling the military. I'm glad I'm not going to be here with that scenario. Emergent church leaders, like we spoke about, uh, they're so dangerous because they take it further. They claim that people like us who believe in the soon return of Jesus Christ, that we're a real problem for the whole world. Can you believe it? Rick Warren goes on to say that we're not fit for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, man, there's some deadly times going on, and we need to be aware of that. We need to be so wise in the churches that we're going to. And let me say this. So many churches have closed down. So many churches are still closed as we speak. And so many people that were in churches are now looking for churches that they can return to. Let me give you a word of caution. Let me give you a word of warning. You need to be praying where you're supposed to be going to church. And you need to get back into church. There's a scripture in Hebrews that talks about, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, as is the habit of some, the custom of some, but especially as you see the day drawing near. You need to see the day of the Lord is drawing near. And that says that when you see that day drawing near, you need to get in church. And you need to find a church that's going to teach the Bible. Step number one, it must be a Bible-teaching church. I don't care if it's popular. I don't care if it's got five people, two people, 100 people, 10,000 people. You need to be in a church that is teaching you the Bible. I don't know how else to say this properly, but 
I don't want you going through the tribulation. Many of us are in church right now and we think we're Christians, but we've not allowed the Lord's holiness to go ahead and to work that in us through his reproof, through his correction. Yes, through his scourging. We need to build that relationship with God. I had a scripture here. I wanted to read it. I'm running out of time. Am I going to find it? It is so important. It's in Peter, and it talks about the fear of the Lord. I guess I'll have to wait till next week to get it. But Oh, here it is. I got it right here. First Peter one seventeen. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. And that fear word, it's phobos, to be put in fear, alarm, or fright, exceeding terror. I'm sorry, he's God, you're not. He's the potter, we're the vessel. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, it's got so many promises attached to it. it. It's where your peace is found. It's where your prosperity is found. It's where your health is found. You need to understand, though, you're going to fear something on this earth. Most of you are fearing what's happening right now because of our government. I want to encourage you, read the scriptures, build a relationship with God. Don't be scared of the hard places. And come back next week and listen to us. I'm Ron Geyer, and these are End Time Insights. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.